And even knowing I'm highly sensitive, I used to be very uncomfortable when people would cry in my presence. And now I know everybody cries in my presence. And I just tell them that, you know, it's okay. It's actually healing. It's really, really healthy. And I'm not anxious anymore. Like I've got so much more confidence in my abilities. And I used to think, oh, I've done something wrong. Welcome to the Sensitive Success Podcast. I'm Frida Carbo, founder of Sensitive Success Circle, the mastermind for sensitive coaches and changemakers who want to create success in their way with the help of their sensitivity. I have spent the last decade recreating my life. I moved from Sweden to New Zealand with my husband and two kids, working online, creating the life and business that I love with a mission to help others do the same. One of the things I learned is that we have so much wisdom inside when we learn to trust and take aligned action. And even though we're responsible for our journey, we don't have to do it alone. I do this work because I'm committed to helping highly sensitive, introverted, intuitive coaches and changemakers to do the work they are called to do in a way that works for them. I know it's possible and creates so many ripples. My intention with these episodes is for you to be inspired, empowered, and to know that you're not alone in your business adventure. If you haven't already, come over and connect with me on Instagram at Frida Carbo. Thank you for being here because it means that you're creating sensitive success too, which is precisely what the world needs. Welcome. In today's episode, we have Kim Corvin here. She is a former judge with over 25 years in her legal career. During this time, she never felt like she fit in and suffered from anxiety. She tried a variety of legal jobs, nothing changed. Yet she figured out how to divorce peacefully from a man who wanted to stay married and never saw anything remarkable about what she accomplished. Then she became ill and began to wonder. Now Kim is the conflict queen, operating a business as a consultant and mediator, empowering humans in conflict to act from a place of grace. In other words, she guides people to approach conflict holistically instead of reducing it to a legal question. And by doing so, her clients experience transformational results. Kim lives in Regina, Canada with her husband, number two, two children from her first marriage and several rescue cats and greyhounds. She's also very excited about the giant pumpkin growing in her backyard. Welcome, Kim. Thank you, Frida. It's lovely to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. So tell us a bit more about your journey and how you come to do what you do. Well, it... uh... I never actually really saw myself going to law school. And it was, I went to Mexico on my own and I ended up feeling lonely. So I went for a walk because I was staying in a Lonely Planet guidebook hotel. You know, it was very sparse, no pool. And I went for a walk and a fellow asked me if I wanted to spend a day at a beautiful resort. And I had attended timeshare presentations before without any issue. But I thought, you know, and I said, yeah, I'm going to go and and I can spend a day at a pool. I never made it to the pool. And I ended up making paying a deposit on a timeshare I didn't want. And I felt like the world's biggest fool. And when I got home, I friend knew a lawyer. So we called up the lawyer and she said, well, what jurisdictions on this contract, Kim? Well, it says California. And she said, don't worry about it. It's not enough money for them to come after you here. 
And I just, like, I felt such shame about being taken by that. And it wasn't my credit card. I was young enough. It was my parents' credit card. And I never wanted to be taken like that again. So off I went to law school. You know, I'd been kind of thinking about it, but it was like, do I really want to be a lawyer? But that was the defining moment that set me on the path that I spent 30 years, almost 30 years on. One uh, one time, it was a, a an appellate, so an argument made at, at the Court of Appeal. I didn't work in the center where the Court of Appeal sat, so we had an agent. And afterwards, he said, Kim, I've been practicing 25 years. I've never seen the Court of Appeal make the order that you requested until today. Wow. <laughs> so there was, you know, there was lots of ego. It, it it fed my ego. And I never thought too much about the why piece that I could actually make these arguments. I just knew I really didn't feel like I fit. And the first time I stopped practicing law was shortly after then. And I went and I worked with farmers for an agricultural cooperative uh, in the democratic structure. And I could see the dynamics in the organization that my position was going to disappear. And I also was dating a man who wasn't about to move to a small town. So I quit that job and went back to practicing law. That particular firm, I think, was the first time I came face to face with, you know, being highly sensitive without the language to call it that. But I really, really didn't fit. And I was the person when they'd have people come in and want to sue somebody else they'd give me the file because I could always figure out an argument to make. But it was not a healthy space for me. And I remember, I don't know, the last however many months I was there, I actually felt, it was almost like, you know, I'd go in my office, I'd close the door, and it was like being underwater. My hearing wasn't as acute. It was just a really, really horrible feeling. I ended up, I rode the bus to work one day and a woman I know was on the bus and we were chatting and she said, Kim, have you thought about stress sleep? So that was, was a wake up call for me. I would have an assistant, I'd basically train them and then they'd go work for a partner or they'd move on there. And one of the women who worked with me, she quit for health reasons. And before she left, she said to me, Kim, I, I want you to know it's not you. You're the nicest lawyer I've ever worked for the kindest and and most respectful. And there was that conversation. And a few months later, one of the partners had me in her office saying, you're really difficult to work with. None of the staff like to work with you. So it was this, and I remember leaving the office and going to a nearby park and crying. But you know, you soldier on. This is the path you're supposed to be on. (laughs) What we do when we're young, right? Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. 
And uh, I did go on stress leave from that job and I never went back. But I thought law was all I could do. And I kept like nearly every decision I made of any significance. I worried, <gasps> I've made a really big mistake. I've made a really big mistake. And it was really horrific. You know, that's more the genesis. And we don't want to stay in that kind of aki negativity, right? How did you get out of it? <laughs> well, it took time. Because when you spend a lot of time in an environment where you don't fit and where your gifts aren't really welcome, you really start to doubt yourself. So even like when I recognized that my marriage needed to end, and that was in 2007, I didn't do it for me. I did it for my kids. And I knew like I had practiced family law. I was terrified of traditional divorce. Like it was like, I'm not doing that to my kids. They were little. Well, I had done a child protection file where the government had, had taken children from their parents or from their mom in that case. And mom had worked with a social worker who always used to say, children love their parents no matter what. And a house that's full of lots of conflict, it isn't just between mom and dad, it spills over to the children. And it can be in them acting out or crying more. Or, and of course, it's way easy to go, well, ADHD or sensory processing, you know, to find an external label. because. When you're in that situation, you don't want to face it. You can't face it or it'll break your heart. It'll rip you to shreds. So I had none of that realization. However, the social worker's words that children love their parents no matter what, they resonated with me when she used to say them. And it was those words that came back to me when I was looking at um, separating. And I looked at separating as a gift for my kids, right? I, I didn't have the self-confidence or the self-esteem to do it for me. It was, I've got to make their lives better. And I set a goal that they would have the best relationship possible with their dad. Like I was confident they'd have great relationships with me, but that was the overarching goal. And that was... That was the foundational piece in how I was able to do it because I didn't even want to look at him, but for the sake of the love I had for, I have for my children, that was the path. You know, we did things really wild and crazy. We didn't run to lawyers. He didn't pay me child support. He kept paying the mortgage and property taxes on the house where the kids and I were living. And he would come to the house like five nights a week to bath them and put them to bed. I mean, I didn't trust him alone with the kids. That was part of it. That was a big part of it. But it was much more organic and much less of a um, rejection. He didn't feel as rejected. And I think that's the other piece of the puzzle, why it, it worked as well as it did. And one of the things I did to reclaim me was I went back to school, took the kids to another city to do my master's in law. And we were living with friends to start with, and I'd rented out the house, and, and I'm taking a legal theory class. And it was taking me 
an hour to read six pages. Wow. And feeling such despair and wanting to come home. But my house was rented out. I had no place to go. And it was just kind of when I gave up control to the universe, and this is what I'm doing, that things worked out. And it was just like it was magical. There's so much we can't control, we can't plan, but to lean into that trust and trust that everything will be okay. And I've had a hard time leaning into that trust ever since, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a practice, definitely. (laughs) But uh, it actually, the last job I had was being a judge for landlord and tenant disputes. And people like to settle their disputes in front of me. And I found myself interested, much more interested in doing that. I mean, my boss would say, Kim, there isn't time for you to do this kind of work. Just leave them alone for five minutes. And I'm thinking, no, 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 this is what I'm good at. I'm way better at this than being much more traditional, taking people's evidence and then, no. I'm going to do this. And I really realized, well, I should say the job where I got sick, I went, it's going to happen again if I stay. So so I quit. Because I ended up with one job. I ended up with a gallstone in my bile duct, and the gallstone was 10 millimeters. So it took uh, three surgeries to get it out. and And so I had this sense, fast forward to being a judge, It's going to be worse this time if I stay. And I had stopped being a practicing lawyer. So that's when I actually said, okay, that was three years ago. Done with being a lawyer, and I'm just going to be a mediator and a consultant. Do you know how scary it is? You know, where everybody around you goes, oh, but you're a lawyer. Like, just be a lawyer. That's safe. You know, nobody can take away those credentials. Keep the credentials but it was killing me. Mm. So there's no space to heal. When you can't acknowledge, it leaves everything broken. And when I first started practicing, I represented this fellow who'd bought a movable home that was sitting on a lot, on a rented lot. And there was no fence. His daughter and his grandkids were living there. So he had made this deal with the landlord that he would build a fence and the landlord would pay for materials. The landlord refused to pay for the materials, said you've spent too much money on them. And so we went to court. And at the time, I thought court was the absolute best way to solve problems, right? You know, it's fair. There's this judge and impartial arguments. And and we were successful, except the judge discounted about five percent and uh, i'm way excited because it's my first trial i was an effective advocate we won my client was angry about the little discounting like really really upset this is part of where the highly sensitive brain kicks in because i'm like how can he be upset and i didn't get mad at him but i did the thinking the processing what is going on here And the one day we had a conversation and I said to him, 
didn't you build that fence to keep your grandchildren safe? You know, I pieced together from our first conversation. And he stopped and said, yes, I did. And then he was fine with the result. But it stuck with me because it was so compelling that people aren't happy with the legal results. You end up hiring lawyers and what aren't legal issues get reduced to these tiny, tiny little issues that aren't in your language. It isn't expressed in a way that makes intrinsic sense to you. So you're not happy. Even if you so-called win, you're left having to process it. But like with him, as soon as he got back in touch with what was his really, really the essential element, he was like, okay, yeah, this is good. And there was no more talk of appeals. So it was, that stuck with me without realizing where that intelligence kind of came from. So how do you work differently as a mediator? Well. I work quite differently as a mediator. I start with having people recognize that the way they're feeling isn't so much about what the other person has done as it's their reaction to change. And I also, you know, when we get, when we're in a dispute with somebody, of course, the way most people's minds go is they focus on the negative to reinforce their position, I flip that on on its head. And it's about, like if it's a family law dispute, it's we go over the high points of the relationship. And it's really interesting because often, like I, I worked with one couple and they had three children and they were together 12 years. And after this exercise, they were like, wow, we were together 12 years. There were five, there's five good memories of the two of us, and three of them are are the birth of our kids. Like, clearly, it's appropriate for us to move in different directions. So it takes a lot of the blame and shame out of it. I share stories. People afterwards going, Kim, I'm doing what you taught me. And I'm like, oh, tell me more. Because I'm like, I didn't know I was doing that. And I think most people, kind of hold the law on a pedestal? Well, the law is just something that regulates relationships between human beings. And you can always do better than what the law says. And really, when you know, when you take law off this pedestal and going, okay, so it is about relationships between human beings. So that fence example, for example, that would be the legal construct would be it's a breach of contract. But the actual issue for him was keeping his grandkids safe. And when he came back to that, there was this realization that he would have paid for it regardless. And and people feel much more empowered when we help to bring it down to identify what's most important to them. And I've started this in the last few months. I created a new exercise in mediation with families but i just wrote out you know like 25 things you might that might happen to your your child and i have two envelopes right one with 
with each one. And there's some negative ones like drop out of school, become a drug addict, those kind. But then there's these interesting ones about, you know, like lives in a safe environment, feels secure in family love, has a well-paying job, takes responsibility for own actions, acts with integrity, you know, has a degree, this wide range. And I ask people, okay, on this side, just make two piles. What do you want for your your children as adults? And what don't you want? And I said, and if you're sitting on the fence, that's a no, put it in the no pile. And there's often a real coming together for parents because they realize, oh, we actually want the same thing. And there's a power to doing more than talking. Most people, you know, like mediation was started by a lawyer. Lawyers like to talk. Not everybody likes to talk. So create different ways for them to communicate in a way that's much more authentic and connects with the heart. Love that. Love that. Just looking at the the persons behind and the whys behind instead of just the the legal rules and what what is decided by someone else as mm-hmm. a general rule. Yeah. And, you know, the job when I was working with the farmers, one of the people I worked with, he was in his mid-60s and he was very sexist. And he made a sexist comment to me. Like it wasn't overt, but it was a sexist comment. I was knitting a green sweater and he said, well, shouldn't that be pink or blue? Right? Like if you're knitting, it's you're pregnant. And, And I was so mad. Like, but the nature of my job, I had to work with this individual. He was a volunteer and I support the volunteers. And well, it's not going to work if I complain to my bosses. So it was another time when this highly sensitive brain kicked in. And it was, what is he here to teach me? So instead of focusing on the upset, I got really, really curious. And yes, I was upset at first and didn't even want to look at him. And I had, it took some time for me to figure out what is he here to teach me. And what it was, was he was the best person I've ever known to work with volunteers. Like, you know how these meetings, they never start on time and they always end late and you get frustrated. It's like, oh, please, I've got other things to do. Well, his meetings, they started on time. And I remember the first time I saw they're in the middle of a discussion, a really good discussion. And he's like, oh, you know, the agenda says we adjourn at eight o'clock. So it's eight o'clock. I'm adjourning the meeting. And I'm like, but we're in the middle of discussion. But he had way better participation than anyone else. So I could appreciate his wisdom. And we actually you know, repaired the relationship. And then I learned more about what was going on with him when he was making the comments and there were health issues. And it was like, okay, I get it. So it was, uh, you know, so it's, and I never, I guess the thing, like I never saw this as anything special. 
these these different thought processes. And I kind of always assumed everybody could do them. And I never valued them for what they are, is the really, really sad thing. So I wasted a lot of time chasing a career that was based on ego and not on being essentially who I am. Because for whatever reason, people around me, they just calm down, feel peace. And I don't know what I do, but it's what happens. And it's it's just so rewarding to help people. And I've worked with some people who they don't see at the start, for example, that a spouse is abusive. But they're okay in this container I create in seeing it and in still recognizing there's love for the other person. Not love in the sense of wanting to stay together, but love in the sense this is another human being. And even though we're in conflict, I can still act in a way that has integrity for me and that honors this other person. So, yeah, we talked about it quite a lot, but how now that you know that you are highly sensitive, how do you use that as a superpower? What's the big shift for you in knowing that it's actually a thing and that it is something unique? Well, it's actually, it's recognizing that there's a few things here, Frida. My confidence, my self-acceptance, my ability to move past law. And when I say about valuing me, like I used to think, well, lawyers are the pinnacle of dispute resolution. And I'm at a point where it's like, you know, people get way better results with me. And so that comes across in chatting with people, And even knowing I'm highly sensitive, I used to be very uncomfortable when people would cry in my presence. And now I know everybody cries in my presence. And I just tell them that, you know, it's okay. It's actually healing. It's really, really healthy. And I'm not anxious anymore. Like I've got so much more confidence in my abilities. And I used to think, oh, I've done something wrong. So, for example, I did a mediation session on Wednesday, and it had been two really great sessions. And this third one, it was like, okay, they were way more, they were back at each other's throats. And old Kim would have thought, oh, I've done something wrong. And highly sensitive Kim, I said to them, you know, what's happening to you is what I see with a lot of my clients. when." You're behaving in a new way to each other, and yet you've been stuck fighting for a long, long time. You get to a point when you're close to ending it, where it's like you're an elastic band and you spring back. So that's just where you are. And and I said, you know, can I share some hard truths with you? Whereas I would have been, old Kim would have been shaking in my boots and almost hyperventilating instead of going, yeah. I see that I, I know I'm confident this is part of the process and trusting those instincts that it isn't, I'm not an aberration when I'm experiencing. And just because nobody else acknowledges that this is part of the process, it's part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you see, <laughs> I call this sensitive success. So how, what is success to you? 
Well, I think success is being comfortable in my own skin, right? Mm-hmm. At its at its heart, you know, we we live in in a world where we value financial success. Yes, we need money to live, and we deserve to be paid um, what we're worth. We don't deserve to be paid like hourly is just such a clunky old mechanism. But so it's I, I'm more confident about charging. I still charge way less than lawyers, but it's this comfort in my skin. So I'm not anxious. I'm much better able when things start going sideways to just relax with it and and it's it's actually really lovely um not to be a lawyer right that wasn't intrinsically me so i can really hone in on what's fair for people and it's like it's 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 improved my relationships like with my spouse and my kids and my parents, because I never really felt like I fit with my family. <laughs> now I just go, oh yeah, yeah. And it meant I have a great niece who's highly sensitive. And so I observe when I'm with them, I observed how people around her were treating her when she had an upset. And I was just, come here, come sit with me. And I just thought, oh, she's me. But in a way that, I'm not, it's not me against my family. I'm much better able to accept, okay, they're not highly sensitive. And I am, and it's all okay. So that's part of it. Yeah. So if if someone who's listening is in conflict, what would be your greatest tips to them? Well, Conflict is normal. It's a necessary part of life. And if you can be curious about it instead of furious, it can be so transformational. Right? Like we act as if conflict isn't a part of life, as if it's an aberration. No, no. And and I think the final tip is the biggest conflict power words there are are, I'm sorry, uh, when you say it, when you mean it, you know, when it's part of taking responsibility. And, you know, and if people need help, I'm I'm here too, right? Like there's, I do it 15, 20 minute free calls with people. Beautiful. And how can they get in contact with you? What's the easiest Kim, way we can put the link in, in the comments? Yeah, I would think Kim at KimCorvin.com. And my website is theconflictqueen.ca. And that's a new website, part of this owning who I am and what my superpower, how it manifests. Love it. Is there anything else you would like to add? Every person is the expert of his or her own life. The traditional approach to conflict, we lose sight of that. But if you recognize you have intrinsic worth and it doesn't have to be about me versus you, you can love someone and not like their behavior, life gets easier. I love that. 
Thank you so, so much. Thank you for coming on this podcast and sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you so much for the work that you do in the world. Well, thank you. It, uh, it, was, it was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This podcast is put together for you to see what is possible and how to use your sensitivity to create success in your way. If you know anyone who would find this conversation useful, please share. And if you share this on social media, tag me in and I would love to reshare it. Come over and connect with me on Insta at Frida Carbo and tell me your biggest takeaway from this episode. Thank you for listening and remember to keep shining so that those who need your help can find you.